0: podcast. My name is Charles and this is a podcast about hobbying in Middle-earth and today's special guest I have with me is Anders from Anders Talks Hobbies.
1: I was gonna say I would say how is you how are you but we've only been chatting for a bit so like
0: I already know. <laughs> yeah it's Saturday morning here um, slightly later because uh, you're on, over on the east. So if the listeners don't already know Anders has a um, youtube channel called anders talks hobbies and you know i invite him on just to kind of talk about what kind of content he makes there and also give some inspiration for people who also want to create their own content on youtube and stuff like that so just for those who aren't familiar with your work what kind of videos and what kind of content do you make
1: so it's pretty broad right now it's basically what I'm kind of stream of conscience whatever i'm thinking about at the time but kind of in a nutshell it's very kind of like miniature hobby related with the definite focus on like lord of the rings because that's the real game i actually play so i've got a lot of videos about painting and building stuff for that and uh particularly at that kind of angmar series where i've been painting a lot of stuff there and I don't know what I try to do because there's so many channels out there obviously doing like hobby content. And so I really try to like focus on like, regardless of what I'm doing, I try to talk about more about why I'm doing a thing and what I'm thinking about with it rather than kind of focusing on the technical stuff.
0: So would you say that this Lord of the Rings game got you into the whole miniature hobby? It seems like that's true for a lot of people.
1: Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, no, I, uh, it was always definitely my intro thing. And, uh, I, like a lot of people, I kind of, like, collected and painted miniatures when I was, like, younger, back in, like, the the 2000s. It was actually my mom who got me into it. She was a big Lord of the Rings fan, and she was also very artsy. Like, she's a portrait painter and stuff like that. And uh, so when she found there were models, she bought me, like, a little Nazgul. I think i him still sitting up there with the old paint job. And, yeah, I just, uh, I painted a whole lot, and then that was uh, that was it. Did you have to read The Hobbit in school as well? I did not read The Hobbit in school because I already read it way earlier or had read it to me. Like, again, my my mom was a huge Lord of the Rings fan. So uh, when the movies were kind of coming out, she was really into those. And her rule was we had to have read the books before we saw the movies. So I didn't actually get to see Two Towers or Fellowship of the Ring in theaters because I was still reading the books. And we got to see them afterwards and then yeah, I got to go. She let me go and see Return of the King before I'd quite finished. So uh as a special thing. But uh yeah, it's uh it's one of those things that's just always been there for me. It was always like a lot of my family was into it. So it's definitely quite foundational for like my interests.
0: Yeah, definitely remember seeing those movies in theaters, even though it's been coming up to twenty years now. Oh
1: yeah, uh, this year, right?
0: Yeah, or Fellowship, or at least. Okay. Um, yeah, I didn't know Games Workshop until basically the movies came out, and I didn't know this hobby existed. So, But once we were in, it's kind of like you're just hooked. <laughs> since. Ever oh, yeah. since.
1: Absolutely. And, like, yeah, like a lot of people, I like, kind of trailed off in, like, university. I went off and bring my models and, like, definitely thought about it a bit. And, like, there's a couple comic shops nearby, like my school, so I'd go in and you'd see, like, The games workshop stuff there so it was kind of the back of my mind but uh yeah once i got back from university i had a little period between like finishing and getting the first job and i don't know there were a whole bunch of models sitting in my parents basement so i started repainting some gondor troops and walked into a shop and found out there was a big league in the ontario and uh yeah the rest is kind of like unless it's history as they say and all that but uh yeah it definitely once you're in you're really in it's a bit all-encompassing
0: yeah And on your YouTube channel, you do mostly Lord of the Rings, but you also have some other videos of other kind of miniatures, other kind of games. Mm -hmm. Are you into like other like sci-fi as well or historicals?
1: In theory, um, I'm definitely interested in it. I don't like the only game I've ever actually played played is Lord of the Rings. It's, It's the one I have collections for, but I'm definitely have a lot of interest in other stuff. From um, again mainly from the hobbying standpoint like i've got uh, i've got a whole bunch of star wars legion around um, i have a few historical things that i mainly use for kit badges and stuff and then i definitely have a little bit of 40k miniatures and more than is acceptable fantasy and age of sigmar stuff for the amount i painted just because <laughs> like there's like some i got in like kind of hands. some i bought way too expensively and still haven't done anything but uh yeah, I just there's there's so much out there and uh I just think it's a really good exercise to kind of like step out of the comfort zone sometime and look at the other stuff and cuz there's a lot a lot more to be inspired by than just uh just the one thing.
0: Yeah, I find uh, I also kind of do the same thing where I collect a few boxes from different games because I like the idea mm-hmm. of them or I like the oh, yeah. look of them. But it's hard to actually find inspiration to that. paint them sometimes when you know when you see like oh my main game is middle earth like i'll buy an age of sigmar kit because i think the sculpt looks really cool but then yeah it's just sitting in my <laughs> in my closet for a few years there's just yeah, something I've, about the lord of the rings hobby that it's like it keeps me motivated it keeps me wanting to go back and paint it
1: oh absolutely and uh i think you know, we were talking about this earlier, but like I'm not like a like an overly gamer-oriented person. I definitely play games as a tournament, just like the last week, and uh, I really enjoy the game. But it's definitely more that's an avenue for the rest of the hobby for me. Like I I like the gaming for the socializing element and also for basically providing the structure for the hobbying. Because I would not get the amount of stuff done with Lord of the Rings if I didn't have tournaments and plans and these kind of self-imposed deadlines. Whereas like yeah like you said I bought the uh, that like new Dominion box for Age of Sigmar because it looks real cool and I painted one model and I'm really happy with it um I don't know I don't know what I'll paint anymore um <laughs> because like when am I ever gonna play that like it's those ones they're almost like too big to like get into like there's so many people playing it and like it seems like such a community whereas like Lord of the mm-hmm. Rings I feel like it's like the right size. It's it's w- bigger than people expect but it's not overwhelmingly so I find.
0: You know, I thought the Dominion box looked cool and I had the similar thoughts of uh maybe I should pick it up, but I think I made the right decision here not doing it because <laughs> I feel like I would just paint one model as well and just leave yeah. it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I definitely it was like a, I had this like inspiration for like oh this, the new Stormcast look really cool and uh, I've got some old, like, Empire models. So I'll do this, like, garrison of this weird kind of dark city. And I painted up one kind of, like, bone-looking Stormcast. And I have, like, two little Empire guys painted up. And I can see the army in my head. I just don't know it would ever happen. Like, I need to just push through. But, uh, yeah. So, but it's, it's sometimes fun just to paint other sculpts to see what it is. Because, like, we can get so, like... Like the stuff, like there's some new stuff, but like so much of it is like old and like kind of already trodden at this point. So, yeah. getting like a taste of like what the new models and what else is out there, I feel like from a hobbying standpoint is, I don't know, probably really healthy, not for the wallet, but like healthy for the like artistic <laughs> spirit. Let's go with that.
0: Yeah, I think I do agree. A lot of the sculpts in the range are kind of dated and kind of they are pretty old, but what keeps us coming back to them is like the aesthetic, right? For Age of Stigma, I really like the new Eidneth um, Deepkin, just the idea of, like, oh. ocean and, like, elves under the sea. But when I, when I actually look at the models closely, I'm like, do I actually want to get into these? Like, the size of, like, the body parts are, like, they're so, like, high fantasy and out of proportion oh, yeah. compared to what I'm used to. I'm just like, yeah, these Lord of the Rings elves are coming up to 15, 20 years old, but I prefer the look of these, you know? That's, oh, yeah. As weird as that sounds.
1: (laughs) No, I I think you're totally right. And I think they've... And obviously a huge part of that is because there was a whole lot of stuff going into design for that. Like, they're relying on the designs of, like, the films where there was a whole lot of very talented people working on making those look the way they are. And uh, I I think that's the reality of it. Like, I, I think the reason it's been... Obviously the reason it's been so, like, enduring is, like, the quality of those films and the design work there. That everyone has some kind of attachment to it, be it whatever. Um like I feel like even more so than like a like a Star Wars or something that's just like a little bit too limited, I feel like, to support like a long game like this. Um who knows how long Legion's gonna actually stay around. Probably die before I even play it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There are some cool models for it though.
1: But... Oh yeah, they're great.
0: So speaking of the aesthetics of uh, middle earth i kind of want to touch up on one of my favorite projects of yours on, on your youtube channel which is your angmar army yeah um, just want to get your thoughts on that one because you've covered it in multiple videos and for me it's always been an army i've wanted to do but it just feels like such a big project that i've kind of just always put it down low on my priority okay. list it just seems like there's so much planning and kit bashing converting and so much like decisions that you you have to make to make it look the way you want it. So, what was your process uh, with that project?
1: Well, the process I think is exactly the same. Like I've mentioned a couple of those videos, but like historically, I don't like Angmar as an army, ignoring all the lore stuff. Like on the table, whenever I faced it, it feels more like a, just a jumble of random stuff. Like it's Mordor orcs and cave trolls from Moria and Edmar specters from halfway across the map. Like it's just I get the thematic ideas, but, like, vision-wise, it just, it was very kind of convoluted to me, and so, yeah, I think you hit the point, like, to make an Angmar army if you don't care, I think it's really easy, and I think there's a lot of motivation for it, because, like, it is quite powerful in the game, um, I think, still, but if you're looking at it more from an artistic and, like, hobby way, there is kind of a lot of thought presses, and I think the biggest kind of weakness and the biggest strength of it is that it's not in the movies. So we were talking about all that stuff about, like, the design work from the films motivating the models. But in this one, they don't. And right now they do, like, in terms of, like, what GW has. But there's so much opportunity there for creativity. And that's what really, I think, cinched it for me. Where, like, it was an avenue to explore kind of, like, different aesthetics that the other, like, armies feel kind of, like, too restrictive to do in.
0: Yeah, I, I do agree. I think you made a good point. Games Workshop never released a as an army, and they kind of just took bits and pieces from other evil armies. Like, yeah. even the Barrow Whites, they're from the Tom Bombadil kit.
1: Yeah, Yeah. there's no <laughs> cohesive, like, design element to it. And, and I kind of mentioned before, like, I really, when I'm doing those videos, I try to talk, I, I, there's a lot of footage of me, like, leafing through books and stuff, because, like, What's more important than like, oh, glue part A to glue B and base coat in this color is thinking about the aesthetic, thinking about what kind of design elements tie them together and stuff. And and really kind of like considering that and bringing that into the paint job, because it uh, I think it makes something a lot more unique and a lot more characterful.
0: Yeah. On the upside, I guess is is, um, you see a lot of creativity in the community when it comes to this army. Like I've oh, seen, yeah. I've seen people kit bash like Hunter orcs with the uh, with the Gundabad Orc conversion set to make like a different aesthetic for uh, orcs. And I think you did too, but I think you use non Games Workshop kits, right? I used a lot of different kits. I would like to be able to play
1: this in tournaments, so like I did make sure that every model has at least some Games Workshop bits on it. I think there's only like maybe a handful that don't at this point, but like. I did use a lot of other companies. Like I used a lot of Parry miniatures bits. I used a lot of kind of like, uh, I think uh, North Star miniatures, Warlord Games. Um, there are some hunter orcs and lots of motor orcs in them. But uh, I tried to like cast the net as wide as possible so that there wasn't any clear aesthetic. Because like, I love conversions, but one of my least favorite things is seeing, I'd be like, oh, that piece is from there. That piece is there. Like you can see the puzzle pieces. And I feel like, I tried, I don't know how successful I was in this, but, like, I tried to kind of throw such a wide net and pull from so many different pieces that it would be a little less obvious. But, uh, yeah, and it also just, there's a lot of companies out there besides besides Games Workshop. And I think, I keep using the word kind of limited, but, like, I think the community can be a little bit kind of narrow-sided. And because I think it comes from, like, a support-the-hobby kind of mindset, you want to support Games Workshop, so they actually produce stuff for it that it kind of causes people not to look outside of it as much. And there's just so much stuff that can be brought
0: in there and used in the in the hobby. Yeah, I actually, I agree with you. I, I don't know how I feel about that. seems like, at least in the online community, people value conversions when they use Just Games Workshop kits more yeah. than, you know, a conversion that's just as good, but it's using third-party parts. I don't know how i feel about that i mean i agree with supporting the hobby so that this game as small as it is can continue but i don't have a problem personally with people using third-party parts and i don't think it takes away from the creativity or or whatever just because you're limiting to games workshop kits it'll turn out better so i agree I, i think
1: like there's obviously a line to be drawn between like using other companies stuff and also companies that are like directly just making lord of the rings miniatures without the license like that's obviously a whole different question that i don't think i'm prepared to get into but like the using non-lord of the Rings stuff in it i think is a big one and like you do see some people like going back to the angmar thing and talk about like Age of sigmar i know like there's a lot of models and i've used a couple that are really popular to use an angmar list like the uh, i think they're called spirit hosts and stuff or the uh shades um, i use those um uh what are they called um uh Chain rafts and Night Haunts, for my barrow Whites, I just, I think there's just so much more out there and that, like, I think people can be very limited on the range itself. So, yeah, I think uh, it's just good to explore and try different things.
0: Uh, were video games one of your inspirations for uh, when you were looking for ideas for this army? Because the Chain rafts actually, I think they look like the barrow Whites from the War in the North video game.
1: I don't think I'd say like there's any one thing that I got these. I think it's again, like I tried to take inspiration from like just as much as possible. and Yeah, I played the War in the North game. So there's definitely some thought process from that there. And uh, I think especially if you look at like I was, I was talking to someone about this the other day, like that my Witch King very much turned out to like straight up the Agendaur from the thing. Like he looks a lot like the big bad oh. in the but he also looks a whole lot like the big bad in uh, The Witcher 3 video game, which I had was playing recently. And there's definitely some of that aesthetic that's creeped in. and I mentioned that in the video, and, uh, like, that's the reason my troll has antlers on him, because, like, there's so many, like, creatures with antlers in that. But, uh, yeah, I just think it's, it's definitely influenced. I'm not, like, a huge video gamer in general. Like, I don't do a lot of it, but there's definitely bits that did kind of slip in there.
0: Yeah. I don't know how I'm going to do my Angmar now that I've talked to you. It's like wow, the possibilities are like endless. Because <laughs> in high school, I played a lot of the Battle for Middle Earth video game, and they actually have oh, yeah. ex- expansion just like like an Angmar expansion. And uh, so there's a lot to take from there too, because it's completely different from Games Workshop's version of Angmar. So.
1: Oh yeah, no, I uh, I played that too, and was it Rise of the Witch King?
0: Yeah,
1: that's definitely. I, I know in that they have a lot of the, um, uh, I think they do it in the, the War in the North too, but there's a lot of, like, men as well. Like, I think they have the Rudor warriors and stuff in that, and that's something I'm I'm kind of bringing into the army as well. Uh, like, at the last tournament, like, I ran, I had some, like, Rudor warriors I made, and I just ran them as regular orcs. They're just more guys with shield and spears, but it still adds variety visually to it, and yeah. it's just something different. So what's left of this army? So there's still a lot i want to do i definitely want to do some more trolls um i have a half sculpted one that's been sitting on my desk for like two months now further would also be a big one i'd like to do eventually but then there's like some other kind of more monster stuff like i i have a plan for both uh some wargs and wargriders and uh Gulivar. i've got all the pieces for them i just haven't like found the right time to start on them yet but uh yeah so there's it's kind of ticking off all those boxes so i kind of have all the options i need to write any lists i want and play different variations of it and i think from there like i don't know if it's it's always hard to think about like where a project stops because like a lot of time like it just doesn't it just keeps kind of like happening in little bits and i'm sure there's like more things i could add just to more orcs and stuff like that and I think this one is kind of spinning off into a whole idea for like an Arnor force and stuff to go up to it. So that would probably be the next stage after this. Is kind of like exploring into that a bit. But uh, yeah, I so I think the next one is going to be Borg riders. I think that's my next plan because at the tournament I felt like I needed a bit more speed.
0: Looking forward to uh, to uh, all of those things, especially Goulevard. Your take on it?
1: Yeah, that one. Going back to video games. I played, uh, I don't know if you played, like, The Witcher, but, like, there's an expansion for The Witcher that's all about vampires, and there's a whole lot of really weird-looking vampire designs in that that are definitely on my mind with Bill because he's basically, like, a middle-earth vampire, right? Kind of going back to inspiration, like, I really like movies, so I try to bring inspirations from that kind of stuff, too, than not just the Lord of the Rings movies. I watched Bram Stoker's Dracula for the first time last night, the old one with, like, Gary Oldman stuff man that movie is weird it's so weird and like there's so many weird kind of aesthetics and bizarre things in that that definitely is going to start creeping into my stuff because there's some really cool things to go
0: from inspiration there okay so we can expect your version of goulivar to be quite different
1: i've gotten role model and i'm a little bit nervous to start it because like my plan for it is definitely to like do some cutting and like the one i have is like a secondhand like metal one and i feel a bit guilty doing that but he's missing pieces already so if i cut off other pieces i don't think it's that bad <laughs> i'm not buying a new fine cast one just to cut up
0: there have been other prints so you would have to find it yeah. oh yeah too right yeah yeah it'd be hard to find one but okay that that that's cool and and i guess uh <laughs> for arnor too there's just so much you could do the amount of profiles are quite limited for that army. Oh, yeah. But uh, I, I've seen some cool conversions with, like, Citadel Guard and,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: uh, you know, other Gondorian models into Arnor warriors. And, yeah, yeah it's it's cool. And, and hobbits, too. Arnor hobbits would be
1: cool. Oh, yeah. No, there's a lot of... Uh, so, like, this is definitely one of, like, the moments where the lore kind of started inspiring stuff. Because, like, I was reading more and more about, like, the little bits of Angmar in it. And, obviously, when you're reading about that in the books, like, it's just you're also reading about Arnor. And, like, there's definitely very little in the range in terms of the stuff for Games Workshop, but, like, there's so much possibilities. And, like, because there's United Arnor, and then there's, like, the three separate kingdoms of Arnor, and, like, opportunities for, like, designing those, like, differently and differentiating uh, Arthedain from Cardolan, I think it's called. Yeah. And then Rudor, doodling out banners for all of those for, like, the last couple months. And I definitely think I'm going to be... We talked about historicals the other day. I think there's some, like some really nice historical models I'm thinking about really kind of like leaning on for that um with some there's some shields and stuff from the actual games workshop range to like bring it into the world but uh yeah there's a there's a lot of cool stuff you can do with that
0: I also find historicals are great for like buying for bits oh yeah um, they're also just overall cheaper because I I don't I don't know maybe because there's no like IP there's no license that they have to pay for or for whatever reason I just find historical models are generally like they're pretty affordable oh yeah I think
1: they're it's probably a combination of like definitely not having to pay for an IP is going to be a huge thing because like that's what 90% of like the Lord of the Rings money goes to probably paying like GW is a real big kind of company in like in terms of like games companies but like in the grand scheme of things, compared to like Warner Brothers, who owns the rights, they're little babies, so like they're gonna, I'm sure, is paying a lot of money to them. So if you don't have to do that, I'm sure it's a lot cheaper. Also, I feel like there's a lot more competition on the historical side because, like, again, because there's no IPs, like everyone can make their version of a Roman soldier, and so like there's a lot. I feel like there's more incentive to make better and cheaper or different versions of them to kind of like set yourself apart because
0: otherwise they're all looking the same yeah yeah exactly so i want to pick your brain a little bit about making content on youtube uh personally i've i've made a few videos so far but it's been hard to like while i'm doing a project documenting it at the same time how did you kind of get into the the YouTube scene? And what's the process of uh, documenting hobby progress while you're working on a project?
1: I feel like the answer to both those questions is just, like, long. I've been interested in doing, like, YouTube and video stuff for, like, a long time. Like, I, I grew up watching, like, almost, like, more than just watching Lord of the Rings was, like, watching, like, the extended behind the scenes and all the how, like, how they made the films. And so, like, I've always been really interested by like filmmaking overall so i started getting into kind of like editing a little bit in school just for just for fun and i've always wanted kind of like an outlet to do it so youtube videos and seeing other people like making stuff that i felt like i could do kind of definitely inspired that and it definitely was also an outlet to like practice that kind of i don't want to call it craft that makes it sound too advanced because i'm really bad at it but like or rudimentary at it but i enjoy i enjoy the process of making videos as well and i think that helps because if you don't there's no way you're going to like stay motivated because at the end of the day like there's so much time and stuff that goes into making even the simplest thing and you definitely have to like think about it when you're when you're starting a project so uh in terms of that element of it when i'm planning out a project i definitely i try to think of it and i guess this is a little bit limiting but like again i think of it both from like what i want to do project wise and also how do I make this into a would this be a compelling video or not? So if I'm painting a series of models, I'm trying to like, well, how do I frame it and how do I like discuss this? So like when I was doing the uh, uh the Barrow Whites, it wasn't just about creating Barrow Whites. It was like, how do we like take these Warhammer models and use them in Middle Earth, or doing the troll? It was like sculpting my first miniature. So like I try to like frame it in a way that's not just the hobby side of it. So you you kind of have to, you have to plan both at once. You can't just just plan the video or just plan the project. It needs to be like a joint process, I think.
0: Okay. So it it, it does involve a lot more work if, if you're doing a project and like you're also trying to document it for a video at the same time.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then you add into, like, the editing process. So, like, my current kind of, like, schedule, for lack of a better term, is I try to spend a week or so on the project and filming, and then I spend a week or so on editing. I don't know. It's it's being decently successful, but, like, I have a real job. So, like, it's a lot of time to do, like, in the evenings and stuff. So it definitely kind of spreads out over a while. But uh, it makes every project longer because... You're not just painting stuff, you're painting it and thinking about where the camera is looking. And while you're editing it, you're not just editing, you're thinking, about, oh, like, I need this extra shot or stuff. So. so you go back and like do a little bit of B-roll and things. And it's very non-linear.
0: Do you have any tips for people that are considering making videos and starting YouTube? Absolutely.
1: Yeah, so tips. So um, yeah, like at the end of the day, like, I think the one thing I think is like as much as there is like a lot of planning and stuff going into it, if you just want to do it, you can like it's not it's not overly complicated to do it from a basic thing. So I would definitely encourage people just to kind of like pick up a phone or anything and just start like filming to kind of get an idea. But I think my main tip is like don't be intimidated by the process and just start doing stuff because you'll figure it out along the way. and. I'm definitely no expert and, like, I definitely would like to upgrade cameras and stuff like that soon. But that's a whole kind of, like, rabbit hole of money and technology and stuff that I don't really have the patience to figure out. But, uh, yeah, so the main thing is, like, don't be intimidated. And also, I think you want to think about the one thing I would, like, think about more than the actual, like, technical side of it is thinking about what you actually want to say. Cause I mentioned where there's so many channels out there about like how to paint this, how to paint that, that if you're going to be doing it, I think you want to be approaching it from some kind of standpoint that would differentiate you. And so I've mentioned it before, but like what I try to do is I talk about it from more of a, I don't know, more of a creative or more of an artistic way about thinking about it. Or at least I try to, I don't know how much that actually comes across, but, uh, and I feel like that's different enough from a lot of at least the like Lord of the Rings kind of channels out there that are I feel like a little bit more kind of like gaming and kind of like directive. I really try to like, I try to push the artistic thing. So finding what you want to push as an individual is a big thing. I don't know, a way to do terrain or a, do, a way you kind of build your lists or something like that. Like there, there should be something different and unique because at the end of the day, that's what people are going to care about.
0: I think you also have to... And what's really important is you have to genuinely, like, want to do it and like it. Oh, yeah. You, you don't want to get in and just be like, oh, I want this to replace my day job. And...
1: No, yeah. <laughs> and, like, there's definitely, like, especially talking about, like, that stupid Godzilla video that I did that did so successfully. And there was definitely a part of me that went, like, about to hit 100,000. Could I? Could this be a future job? Um Like, I don't know. That's not even remotely a like realistic thing to think about. But I don't know. There, there's, it's, it's not an unrealistic thing to think about. There's lots of people who do it now, and there is, I think, a market for it.
0: But I mean, the Godzilla video is at like over seven hundred thousand views now. <laughs> oh yeah. My
1: other is at like a couple thousand. Um, <laughs> but uh, but you're right. I don't think you can't go in expecting success and like I don't know wealth you're just going to be so disappointed and like i definitely spend way too much time fixating over the analytics and stuff like that and like especially after that godzilla video started doing really well i definitely went into like okay what is kind of like clickbaity or what this like how can i structure this and i think that kind of took away from the more creative stuff for me for a little bit there and i'm really trying to get back into just doing what i want to do because that's what happened with that godzilla one like i just I was working on one project and then I was just getting really excited about freaking Godzilla versus Kong. I was like, this would be really fun. I like toys. I'm just going to buy some toys and paint them up. And like, I was excited. And I think that's what worked in that is I was excited about the project. And I think it was expressed in that. So you need to be excited about the, about what you're doing beyond what you're doing it for.
0: Definitely agree with that. Was there anything that you feel you've kind of gotten better as you've continued to create content,
1: I think I've gotten better at the, the scripting part of it. I think I've been trying, especially like I feel with like the Angmar one, where I started to talk a lot more about my thoughts and stuff, and putting that into words and expressing that, I think is getting better. I still don't think I'm great at it. And also, like having a better idea of what kind of shots I'm going to want during the project. So there's not as much kind of like going back. So I still feel like there's a lot of growth there. Like, I definitely don't think my stuff is at like the technical level I'd really want it to be yet. But uh, again, this is, you kind of go back to like the the amount of time that you're willing to to put into it is to get good at that kind of stuff. Like, it takes time and energy and and interest to like learn about the cameras, to learn about the stuff, and that's definitely a part I probably fall down in like i've had the same camera for like 10 years and like i don't know what half the buttons do i still use it but i definitely approach it from more of a kind of point and click kind of way yeah and it's just because like again i i like the outcome of the camera stuff i don't care about the technical side of it as much and so i definitely need to be better about learning about that and that's something i definitely am going to think i'm getting better at but i definitely need to continue working on
0: yeah it's not just about the technical stuff like i i like some of the uh what's it called the skits that you have at the beginning of the videos i can't say the same about all content creators there are some where i watch it and i just feel like just get to the point <laughs> just get to the actual <laughs> just get to the video already you know
1: <laughs> yeah i definitely think there's there's some that really drag out and there's a uh, There's one thing I've really been trying to take this into account. Like um, I'm, I think it was uh, Midwinter Minis. Um, if you know, he's like a 40k channel. But he was saying when he was talking about YouTube thing is like, you need to be like ruthless with the editing. And like if you think something is vaguely boring, cut it out because nobody is going to care. Because you put so much like interest in it just because you like created it that you have to assume that anyone watching it has like a fraction of that interest. And so. You definitely want to make it engaging and, like, not just pick up the paintbrush and go, do this, do this, do this, go. Like, I, I think there's there's an element of, like, because at the end of the day, people are watching that, I think, primarily for entertainment rather than kind of, like, education. But you do have to be, like, to the point. Because, yeah, there's some out there that just, like, it just drags on and I just can't bring myself to care about.
0: I'm sure that's definitely the case with your Godzilla video. I don't know how many would actually follow your guide and actually make the same diorama.
1: Oh, No. And I don't <laughs> but, expect it to, like, because, like, it's it's about the, like, the fun of the project and the passion for it rather than, like, yeah, do XYZ. Yeah.
0: It definitely caught my attention, though, when I think you opened the video with, like, a cut scene of Nicolas Cage, like, screaming <laughs> in the bathroom <laughs> <before Mandy. laughs>
1: Yeah, that's... Yeah, that kind of goes back to it, like, about, like, having something to say because another kind of like I so another thing that I find online content creation really interesting overall it's such a kind of young it's been around for like 20 years now but like it's still such a young and evolving like I don't know for lack of a better term industry that it's been it's a really interesting one to watch and so like I know a big additive in that is people will come for like the content and they're going to stay for you so I do try to put a little bit of like my own interest even when I'm talking about it again like so in that one i really like kind of like artsy fartsy kind of movies so like i talked about that and i mentioned that in that and again that nicholas Cage scene is like one of the funniest scenes that's also just horribly depressing in any film it's great and, yeah, and like I also make jokes about, like, oh, yeah, Godzilla's not as great as, like, Gamera, because, I don't know, I like those movies more. And, like, half the video, the comments in that video are people just yelling at me for having bad opinions about monsters. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, and it's the same as, like, on that Star Wars video I did. Like, I definitely gave some, like, opinions about, like, Star Wars things. And, again, like, half the comments are, like, I can't even take you seriously because you don't think this is great. And I'm, like, oh, you guys are weird.
0: It's <laughs> not even the point of the video, but okay
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it but it's engaging for people in some way so like, yeah, it's again expressing yourself and showing and and you know I don't try to like court controversy or stuff, but like I don't know, I haven't think about a video about like an anti-games workshop video, but I might not do that um,
0: controversy can draw attention though I have watched some anti-games workshop videos and they get tons of traffic
1: they do and I think that's another thing and i, I Kind of going back to like jokes and stuff you bring in. Like, I definitely make a few, a little bit more kind of like political and relevant jokes here and there. Like, I think I made a joke about freaking Doug Ford in like one of the videos, like the Premier of Ontario. And I definitely make a few capitalism jokes in like the uh, Animal Crossing one. But like, I I kind of also do feel like at the end of the day, like people do like look at this kind of stuff as an escapism thing. But I think that it is still important to understand like the reality of the world in it. So like with the games workshop stuff, there's some not great stuff about the way games worked out their business. So like talking about like, Hey, here are some alternatives, maybe look at other miniature companies, not to like boycott them or anything, but just to expand your horizons and yeah. understanding the realities of like where your miniatures come from. And like the maybe not so great business practices that go into it, I think are, is a more mature way of looking at the hobby and, I think there's a way to do it immaturely. Like, oh, uh, Games Workshop sucks, blah, 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 blah. I think there's a lot of that out there. But I think there's a critical and interesting way of looking at that, too, that I don't think a lot of people do. And that's when, like, again, Midward Community is a really good video about, like, the kind of, like, paid controversy with Games Workshop. And, like, I think that's important stuff for people to understand. Like, the reality is real people worked on this, real companies worked on this, and sometimes companies aren't the best.
0: Yeah, yeah. And And, I mean, there's... There's different, you know, what something that you would consider not controversial, you know, might not be true for another person. Like
1: exactly, you know, yeah.
0: You can say, oh, I don't want to pay like thirty-five dollars for a pair of Games Workshop clippers, and then you can yeah. probably offend someone by saying, that.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely. And that's why, and that's, and I feel like it's like the silly like side of the Games Workshop controversy stuff. Like people like, oh, shmer, it's so expensive, when like the reality is like these are like plastic toys, and this is a highly um uh what's the word like frivolous hobby at the end of the day where if we're buying a whole bunch of really expensive plastic like tat and like just painting it nice and like yeah I think people can take that a whole lot too seriously. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so has this past year and a half like has that lockdown kind of affected the way you hobby because you you said earlier that you're not really a tournament goer and I think for tournament goers it's affected them the most because they don't really have, like, armies to, to build for events. But, like, has it been different for you personally?
1: So I have gotten quite a bit done, I think, this. And I think part of it is, like, has actually been the YouTube. Because, like, as I said, like, I really like the game thing. And I I did play fairly regularly with locals around here. And, like, I would go to tournaments when I could. but And it was a good way of motivating my projects to, like, get the stuff done for. But, like, yeah, when the tournament's kind of, like... Dried up due to like, uh, and again, we'll continue to do. Um, having something else to like motivate you or to work towards definitely helps. And so, like, working towards projects or videos is a again, it's just another way to structure the hobby. So, again, I think going back to like the Age of Sigmar stuff, I have a couple of ideas of videos to make about them, and I think that will be what motivates me to actually start painting them. Is adding that extra level of like, I don't know, self-imposed deadlines and requirements. Cause again, at the end of the day, if you're like purely relying on motivation, that's not gonna happen. That's not something you can just magically like conjure up You have to kind of push through stuff if you do want to get something done.
0: The videos are going to be the thing that push you into painting your second mm-hmm. Dominion model.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely because uh, again, i thought this, like, I painted them white. I'm like, oh, I'm going to do a like, clickbait video about how to paint white armor, because that's something people care about. Um, but yeah, and I guess the other thing is, like, competitions. like, obviously, like, obviously we've talked a whole lot about my hobbying, but obviously your stuff is, like, spectacular, and, like, working towards things like Armies on Parade and stuff like that is, like, I think a big motivator for people, and I definitely was thinking about doing that this year, but I just don't have, I have so little space now. I don't have... <laughs> In the parade board.
0: <laughs> yeah, that that is one of the downsides to armies on parade. Is if you're living in an apartment like me, it's yeah, it's it's sad. You think about how little space you have. Definitely, competitions have been you know a big motivator this year, especially last year. You know when the lockdown just started, I was able to crank out a few armies. You know, oh I don't know if if events open up in two months, maybe uh, maybe I can use these. And then as the year went on, I'm like, no, not anytime soon. Yeah. And then kind of at the end of last year, there was a little bit of a burnout, and then it's it was painting competitions that kind of got me back into painting this year.
1: Yeah, there was so much. that I remember those first like couple of months. I was like, oh yeah, by October twenty twenty, we'll probably be able to do tournaments again. And it's like just feels so naive now. But like I feel like there was a lot of motivation those first four or five months for people, and then it just crashed. um Just yeah. <laughs> as a reality of like, oh who knows when any of this is going to be done it's definitely picked up a little bit now and again like there's there is the reality of tournaments again but like i don't know who knows how long what's going to happen yeah there's still so many things that could go down
0: so um any other projects that you have planned or you're, you're considering for the remainder of this year
1: so doing something there's a couple of like non Lord of the Rings ones kind of more fantasy related that I've been thinking about a lot that I'd really like to do one is like something related to the new age of Sigmar stuff and then there's a couple of more retro ones I'd like to do because like again like we talked about the Lord of the Rings miniatures being old and like, they are very much kind of like the middle child like games workshop because like, you look at some of those like old early 90s or like even like mid 90s stuff or older and it's like they get weird back then and there's definitely like an element to that that I really like. Um, so I've got a bunch of like old miniatures I'm dealing with. And also again, I think getting to a point I'm happy with on the Angmar stuff and kind of starting to expand into like the Arnor and things and kind of planning that kind of stuff out. But at the end of the day, like it's all kind of organic. And uh I think I'm I'm really trying to like not kind of like have a healthy level of like planning and not planning at this point. And yeah, I was I was hoping to have a lot more done with this Angmar project by now and I haven't so uh we'll see
0: (laughs) cool I guess if you have any ideas for a video maybe that'll kind of get you started on a new project as well
1: exactly yeah and that's where it's like again, like boulevard's on the list wargs are on the list and it's just like when do I find the like when does it click that I pick up those miniatures on that week and start doing it again I've got a little whiteboard here with all my ideas on it and there's some real weird ones on there but uh yeah, it's, it's that kind of happy balance of so like motivation and planning that's ever elusive.
0: Well, can't wait to see what you put out next. I'm always looking out on YouTube for uh, your next video. Where can listeners find your work besides um, on YouTube?
1: Yeah, so again, obviously YouTube's the biggest one, Angus Dog's Hobby. I do have a decent little like uh instagram channel that goes along it's a lot quieter than it used to be on instagram just because so much of my time is going into the the videos um but it was kind of my original like motivator was uh instagram and i was posting up there like almost every day a week for like a year or so and that's definitely fallen off but i still post on there fairly regularly and i'm trying to be better about like posting stories and stuff so that's another one yeah, I do have a Patreon. if People are interested in checking that out, and I've got dice for that. But uh, yeah, all of it's under Anders Talks Hobbies. It's uh, all linked around, and uh, yeah, it's uh, if you want to check it out.
0: Cool. Do check out Anders Talks Hobbies, and yeah, I think that about wraps it up. Thanks so much for coming on to talk to me about your work today. It's been fun.
1: Absolutely, it's been a it's been a pleasure, and it's uh, it's good to talk to someone in Canada as well like in connecting to that kind of other side because it's such a big country that we have like totally different scenes I feel like um, in the Ontario and out west and one day I need to try and get out there I like out west I like skiing
0: (laughs) yeah yeah it's definitely uh, we're definitely really far away it's it's weird even though we're in the same country (laughs) yeah listeners thank you for tuning in and this has been with the West podcast look forward to the next one 拜拜